It's time for Herd Mentality, the weekly episode where you control the discussion today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino, author of Go Bills and Buffalo's Run, also the co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. want to thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, and a big welcome and shout-out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. I'd also like to invite you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, folks, it's that time of week. We're going to do herd mentality. And once again, you guys supplied some great, great, great talking points for us to get into. We're going to start with some trade discussion with the trade deadline fast approaching here. But then a lot of our discussion the rest of the way is going to be about the Bills offense and a lot of great questions that allow us to discuss the offense from a lot of different angles. So I'm very excited to do that with you here today. Let's jump into it. This first one is from Zach. And Zach says, do you think we start to consider a trade for another impact receiver? So far, Diggs seems to be the only player producing on offense, and maybe that is just trust driven by Josh. We need to diversify soon. Do you believe a move like this is on the table? All right, so I'm going to take this question from Zach as an opportunity for me to discuss some of the trade ideas that I like for the Buffalo Bills to consider at the trade deadline. And I did a Bleacher Report stream on Monday where I offered different trade targets. And so I want to share a lot of that with you here on this podcast. Now, the first thing I want to say about the trade deadline, and I'm surprised I didn't catch this sooner, the trade deadline comes at a great time for the Buffalo Bills. The deadline for the entire NFL is Tuesday, October 31st at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So Halloween, right? Halloween, 4 o'clock Eastern time. That's when the NFL trade deadline is. And where the Bills have an advantage here is they play on Thursday night football before the deadline. They play on October 26th at home against the Buccaneers. And so I think that's a nice advantage for them. They get to play their game that week and then have a nice little window of time to consider what moves they may want to make. You know, a lot of teams are going to play that game on Sunday, and then it's a quick turnaround to that deadline to really figure out what you want to get done. And so I think where this falls schedule-wise is quite favorable for the Buffalo Bills to be able to assess what happens during that Thursday night game, whether there's a big injury that prompts a move, and you'll just have a better picture and more time to – Uh, Take the information that you have to consider what deals you may or may not want to make. So I think that's a nice advantage for the Bills and, of course, their opponent, the Buccaneers, on Thursday night football ahead of the trade deadline on Tuesday, October 31st. All right, so with that out of the way, let's talk about some trade ideas. And Zach brings up the idea of another impact receiver. And I do have a couple of receivers that do intrigue me as far as possible trade options. And I do think that there is something to this. You know, Gabe Davis, I think, has continued to tell us exactly who he is as a player in the NFL. He makes some plays down the field. He uses his size and his ball skills down the field, but he's just not 
going to be a route winner, a consistent route winner that's going to just be able to create consistent separation and get open and provide a reliable target for Josh Allen, not to mention the drops, not to mention this fumble, right? He had other fumbles throughout his career that have been meaningful. You know, there's just variance there. And for a team captain and a player that is likely going to command a pretty significant payday, uh, I'm interested in a more complete skill set in that position. And so a couple of receivers that intrigue me that um, can be route winners, which is what I think this offense needs, guys that can win routes, get open, catch the football, do so with consistency. Uh, the guys that I gravitate towards that could be available uh, are are those types of players. So the first one is wide receiver Hunter Renfro uh, with the Las Vegas Raiders, who they're, they're just not using him at all. I mean, the year before Josh McDaniels got there, he had a thousand yards, a hundred catches. And since Josh McDaniels has gotten there, there's been literally no production. And it doesn't make a lot of sense because Hunter Renfro is very much in that Cole Beasley, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type role type player that has worked really well for the New England Patriots when Josh McDaniels was the coordinator. So I'm not sure what's going on, what the issues are, but I know that Hunter Renfro is a great route runner that can consistently catch the football. He's got that ability from the slot. And so uh, he's a player that I'd be quite interested in uh, to be able to come in and, and help this offense. The other receiver that intrigues me mostly is because I think he is available. Not that I'm overly infatuated with him, but Jerry Judy from the Denver Broncos, who's 24 years old and he signed through next season on the fifth year option. Uh, so that's somewhat intriguing to me. And He's a player that, I mean, he's not necessarily been consistent, but it's probably been hard for him to be consistent in Denver where whether it's been horrible quarterback play or, or coaching, right? It's not been a great environment for him to be the best version of himself, but he's certainly a very talented guy, really good route running skills, and that I think would be a nice addition to this Buffalo Bills offense. So a couple of receivers that I like, Hunter Renfro, Jerry Judy, Mike Evans is a name that gets floated around. I don't, that's not realistic. Why would the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have a real shot to win that division, they're playing pretty good football. Why would they be interested in trading away Mike Evans? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, let, I got one more offensive player, and this is probably going to be a surprise to some people that I put him down. But uh, the other offensive player that I have down is running back Derrick Henry. Yeah, I said it out loud. I'm interested in that. Um, what it really comes down to for me is that skill set in this offense. And you're talking about winning playoff games, winning late in the season. It really does come down to running the football. And when you can threaten opponents with a quarterback like Josh Allen and a running back like Derrick Henry, and of course, what you hope you you can have in the passing game with Diggs and Davis and the tight ends and all of that, it's a pretty, pretty big deal to have to handle all of that. And I like James Cook, and I don't think that this is a type of move that would take James Cook out of the position of being a, an important part of this offense. But when you can add a Derrick Henry and his downhill running ability and the convictions that he has and you know the business decisions that other teams have when they have to tackle him, I'm I'm very interested in that. And so, you know, the Titans are two and four. Uh, they don't have much going for him right now. And could they want to just do good by a player and Derrick Henry and say, hey, thanks for everything. You've been unbelievable for us. You know, go make a run at it. And you can have him for a fourth or a fifth round pick. I'd be interested in that, to be completely honest with you. And you know me, I'm not one to really advocate for running backs. I like Latavius Murray. I like James Cook. I like Derrick Henry as well added to this mix. I have some defensive players that I like a lot. Uh, one of them being Jeremy Chin from the Carolina Panthers. He's a safety linebacker hybrid type player. Oh, man. 
he'd be such a nice addition to this team. A lot of size, a lot of athleticism, a lot of playmaking ability. Now, you're probably going to have to give up probably a day two pick, I would anticipate, for him, and you're going to want to extend him. But whether it's adding to what you have right now in terms of versatility, and you think about what the Bills wanted to do with Taylor Rapp, what they did a little bit with Saran Neal last week, uh, playing the matchup situationally, maybe sprinkling him in from time to time, replacing Dorian Williams. I think there's a lot that you can get out of him right now, but also as a long-term piece of your defense. You know, Jordan Poyer, two-year deal, really kind of a one-year deal. I'd be interested in Jeremy Chin as uh, an option right now as a versatile chess piece for the defense, but also as a succession plan for Jordan Poyer. I think he would bring a ton to that defense. So he intrigues me a lot. I'd love that. And then a couple of cornerbacks that make sense for me. Um, obviously, if, if you told me Dane Jackson and Christian Benford were healthy and wouldn't miss any time the rest of the way, all right, cool. I can I can cool off at cornerback. But those guys miss time, right? And you're seeing Kyrie Elam having to play more and more. Uh, two corners that I think make a lot of sense. Adoree Jackson from the New York Giants. Obviously, that season's not going well. Same thing with Dante Jackson, my other cornerback target from the Carolina Panthers. Both these guys give you man coverage ability. I think that's something that is important for Sean McDermott's defense in that they've started to be a little bit more aggressive with their pressure packages and high leverage downs, and then they're playing man coverage behind it. And so I think that's helpful. Now, both of those players, Jackson and, well, they're both last name is Jackson, they have experience running zone. And so I think they're athletic guys. I mean, you're going to be playing the Miami Dolphins. You need guys that can match up with them. Jeremy Chin also is a nice little chess piece for how they like to play as well. So. I think defensively, Jeremy Chin, Adoree Jackson, Dante Jackson are players that I like a lot that seem like realistic targets uh, in addition to Renfro and Judy and Henry on the offensive side of the football. All right, we are going to talk a ton about the Bills offense the rest of the way. Stick with me, but I need to tell you about our partners over at eBay Motors. They have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. So whether you're prepping for a daily draft or you're scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Vinny has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Drake London is starting to show why the Falcons drafted him first among the many talented wide receivers in the 2022 draft and why he was a hot sleeper in 2023 fantasy drafts. London has found his groove in the offense with Desmond Ritter, In the past two weeks, he caught 15 of his 21 targets for 203 yards, and he draws another good spot in Week 7 against the Buccaneers, who have struggled to contain team's number one wide receivers. London is guaranteed to be bringing the pleasing production with great matchups ahead against the Titans, Vikings, and Cardinals before a Week 11 bye. Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football is going to help you win your fantasy championship, and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber and not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, folks. The next one today comes from DJ. DJ says, I remember being frustrated with the second and long runs again, specifically the shotgun runs. Hopefully you can find something on the all 22 that will alleviate my frustration. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people are frustrated with second and long runs. And Ken Dorsey was asked about this during his press conference on Monday. And this is what he said on calling runs on second down and second and long. He said, second down, this is a quote, second down is a situation where if you get too lopsided in terms of we're strictly throwing the ball, then you see those third down style defenses. We are trying to strike a balance to keep defenses honest. And so Alex Brasky of the Batavia Daily News tweeted that quote out and cover one quote tweeted it and offered some really good analysis that I um, agree with. I align with what cover one is saying here. They quote, they quote tweeted that quote from Ken Dorsey and said, translation, we are seeing a lot of too high safety looks and defensive fronts are pinning their ears back. These runs are an attempt to offset those calls. And so the bills are just trying to not be predictable. If you know that second and long is always a passing down, well, teams are going to play coverage. Defensive linemen are going to pin their ears back and they're going to relentlessly pursue your quarterback. And so when you run the ball, you give yourself more variability, less predictability, and you potentially set yourself up for some third and manageables. And the Bills are the number two team in the NFL on third downs, 49.3% conversion rate on third down. So I think they're they're leaning into those dynamics. You can't just throw the football every time on second and 10. That's not going to lead to good results, especially if the defense knows that. They're playing coverage and they're rushing and pinning their ears back. And so, yes, I understand that can be frustrating. But there's a reason why that happens, and you can't just be predictable or else defenses are going to lean further into the thing you don't want them to lean into. The next one here comes from Nick. Nick says, in almost any advanced analytic you look at, primarily EPA per play and DVOA, the Bills are one of the top two or three teams in the league, and Josh Allen is one of the top two or three quarterbacks in the league. Yet, the Bills are somewhat lucky to not be three and three. Why the disparity in those numbers, I'm finding it hard to grasp. I'm glad you asked this question because part of what has been challenging for me as an analyst and answering a lot of questions about the Bills offense is striking the balance between, hey, this offense is really, really good. No matter how you measure it, it's really good. They score, they they move the football, they convert third downs, red zone. It's all really, really good statistically. Yet at the same time, there's a lot of frustration. People are very annoyed, very frustrated with with how the offense looks. To which I would say, guys, you got to watch the rest of the NFL. If you're going to want a complete picture of what normal is in the NFL, what good is in the NFL, what bad is in the NFL, you got to watch you got to watch more football. Because these metrics, they they account for every play for every team and what normal is. That's literally what these metrics are designed to do. Not to mention the volume stats that also favor the Bills very very well. There's just not dominant offenses right now. I guess Miami, that's what that's the one that is consistent every week. But against the Patriots and the Bills, they look pretty pedestrian, right? Two divisional matchups. The Chiefs are sleepwalking through the season right now, and they get the benefit of the doubt. They sleepwalk through the season every year. They just find ways to win, and then they turn it on when it matters. The Bengals, have you watched that team? It's an absolute joke. Absolute joke. They couldn't move the ball on Seattle. Seattle's a bad defense. The game was in Cincinnati. The 49ers just lost the Browns with a P.J. Walker, their third quarterback they've used this year. There's just high variance right now in the NFL. There doesn't seem to be a true dominant team. The Eagles, have you watched them? They're 
squeaking by every week. They just took a loss to the Jets. So we just have an awareness to what's going on in the NFL. Like, we have high expectations for the Bills. We should. And they're producing at a high level. There's meat on the bone, and that's where I get encouraged. There are definitely paths with what the Bills have in place for it to be better when it's already really, really good. And so just be mindful of that. Like, we have our expectations for the Bills, and there's certainly been the last two weeks where the offensive rhythm has been really poor. But I hope that through the all 22 conversations that we've been doing, you've you've been able to see some of those reasons why and just see some of the miscues and you know where the execution can be cleaner. And that's what it comes down to, like cleaner, more consistent execution. When plays are there to be made, you got to make the play. And, and too often the last couple of weeks, it just hasn't happened with consistency, and it's derailing the offense. It's taking away a fresh set of downs for an elite quarterback and Josh Allen. So there's meat on the bone, but at the same time, it's been really good. And it's not just because the Bills boat raced a few teams. I mean, a lot of these metrics account for like neutral game scripts, and they still look good for the Bills. So just you, you got to know what normal is. You got to know what good is. You need to know what great is. If you're going to be this emotionally invested in the Buffalo Bills, you got to know what 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 a reasonable expectation is. And I feel like sometimes there's just not enough of a understanding of that because we're living and dying with every play that the Buffalo Bills have, but you're only seeing the highlights maybe for other teams. It's it's like it's the social media problem in society to to an extent where, you know, you're living your own life and you see the ups and downs and ebbs and flows and issues that you have in your own life. You go to social media and it looks like everyone's got everything together. Well, that's because they're only showing you the highlights. You can't compare your every single move to everyone else's just highlights. It's not going to give you a good, clean picture of what's really going on. So there you have it. Next one here is from Ryan. Ryan says, I wonder how much of Josh's comfort in the shotgun factors into why they use it so much, despite the success they have with him under center. Could it be as simple as Josh says he's much more comfortable in the shotgun, and that's why Dorsey does not call for him to be under the center? Or could it be that the Bills' philosophical approach to offense has most of their base formations out of the gun? I'm going to speculate here, Ryan. I appreciate this question because, yeah, there's numbers that will tell you that Josh Allen is better under center, and I've been an advocate for that. I've, I've talked a lot about how that is a benefit to Josh and, and his style of play and what it means for the run game and, and the timing of the routes, all of that. I like it. I would be willing to bet a lot that any quarterback would tell you they prefer shotgun. They prefer it. And, and it, when you think about it, it just makes sense. You don't have to go – underneath the center and put your hand up against a center's butt and take a snap. And the, and those snaps are coming with some heat, right? You got to pull out of there. You got to make sure that you, you don't get stepped on. How many times have you seen that, right? A guard or a center gets walked back a little bit and they step on the quarterback's foot. So you don't have to deal with any of that. You, you don't have to deal with the drop, right? You got to do a, a very clean five, seven, nine step drop sometimes for Josh Allen. There's variability there, right? You're having to move and turn and all of that. As opposed to if you're just in the shotgun, somebody lobs the ball back to you. You're already at depth. You don't have to take a drop. You can keep your eyes on the defense, you know, from a from depth for longer, right? It's just it's probably a whole lot more comfortable. I'm sure that's exactly what a lot of it is. And I would guess that any quarterback would say, yeah, if I had the choice, put me in shotgun over under center every every single time. So yeah, I'm sure that there is this uh, tough balance to strike between, hey, Josh, these variables are really good for you. But also, yeah, this is where you're the most comfortable. It's a, it's a tough balance to strike. That's a tough needle to thread. And I would be willing to bet that any quarterback would tell you, put me in shotgun every single play. 
Now, is that the is that is that an excuse? No, like the the OC needs to step in and say, hey, this is what we need to do. This is where we're the most effective. But speculating, I think that's probably at the root of what a lot of that is. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do. You know what's good for you. But for some reason, you just can't do it. That's okay. That's normal. And therapy helps you figure out what could be holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're all busy people. We all have a lot going on. BetterHelp knows that, and they have a great program that is designed to fit within whatever structure you have going on. So here's what you do. You fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist. And then look, for at any point, at any time, you need to switch therapists. You can do so with no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off of your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn. That'll get you 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. All right, folks, we still got a bunch more good stuff to get to. The next one here comes from Mike. Mike says, you got my attention with the three-plus-second time to throw for Allen and attributing it to six- and seven-man protections. Yes, that provides more time to throw, but that comes at the expense of fewer receivers in the pattern. After watching the tape, do you think that contributed to the lack of production? If you have six guys covering three, Josh could probably have five seconds to throw and not find anybody open. Or were the max protect snaps on response to Giants blitzes and a good use of that strategy. Yeah, look, Josh Allen's time to throw was 3.19 seconds against the Giants. It's extremely high, the highest of the season for him. And one thing that I haven't talked about at all, and I probably should have, whether it was the post game or the all 22 review, was the familiarity dynamic, right? Josh Allen is obviously a player that Brian Dayball is unbelievably familiar with. So him knowing that was a benefit to the Giants. And Dable didn't shy away from that. He was asked after the after the game, hey, basically, your defense has been terrible all season long. Was it familiarity with Josh Allen that helped you? And he said, yeah, I think that's an advantage. We had conversations throughout the week. Like, that's definitely a thing, whether it's Cole Beasley, Isaiah Hodgins, Matt Breida, Brian Dable, Joe, Sh- uh, Joe Shane, sure, uh, Shea Tierney, the quarterback's coach, Bobby Johnson. They knew the Bills, okay? And I think that helped them a ton defensively to game plan right and he also said uh, Josh I couldn't remember it might have been Josh Josh said that you know that's a defense that practices against that same style of offense for the last two years the Giants defense practicing against the Giants offense right they know it and so yeah that was a big part of the whole thing for sure and Brian Dable did not shy away from that all right so with that out of the way let's talk about protection schemes and and I'm glad you brought this up because I talked a ton about protection schemes last year and I said look I think the Bills' protection schemes are failing. And there's too much, hey, Josh, we know you can make people miss. Please do so and find somebody open. This year, they're willing to use six and seven, even eight-man protections. Yes, there were times against the Giants where it's two people in a route. And I think when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen with the arm talent that he has and the movement skills that he has, he can slot throws into congested coverage situations. you got to give him time, though. And I think they're striking that balance. And I think they're doing a good job of it and when to keep extra guys in to protect 
to be able to lean on Josh to do that type of stuff. I think their protection schemes this year are astronomically better. It's it's my favorite improvement to the offense. And Josh is protected extremely well. Low pressure rates, uh, high time to throw, um, very few sacks. I mean, what, he wasn't sacked against the the Giants, if I'm not mistaken. Was he sacked against Jacksonville? I mean, he, he's not been sacked in a couple of games. I mean, they're doing a good job. Um, and so, yeah, there's give and take with it. Yeah, you're, you're keeping in eligible receivers. Uh, to block, but they're also doing a good job of, okay, stay in the block and then have a release when your guy's taking care of releasing the space and give Josh another check down option. So I like it a lot. I understand the give and take with it, but I, I really do like it. And the the whole conversation that I had last year about protection schemes failing the Bills more than players are just not executing, I feel very differently about that, and I like that. I think you need to be willing to do that more. Uh, Dan says, if if Ken Dorsey called Joe Marino and said, I want to bring you on as a consultant, give me your one thing you think I should change about how I call my offense and I'll make it happen, what would be the one thing that you would say and why? thought a lot about this uh, question, and my initial answer was going to be play action. I said, Ken, you have to call at least 35% play action every single week. Um, and sometimes Ken Dorsey does, but too often it's not. But that's that's not where I settled. To me, it's this. I, I want you to ramp up Dalton Kincaid. He's the guy that can be the route winner, right? I talked earlier in this podcast about not having enough route winners. Dalton Kincaid could be that guy. I want to prioritize Dalton Kincaid earlier in progressions and get him going in the middle of the field um, for for Josh. I think that could be the number one thing that will benefit what this team can accomplish moving forward. Uh, Brett says, during preseason, you, the Mafia, and NFL had very high expectations for James Cook and Gabe Davis. We kept hearing across the league, that these guys are going to have their breakout seasons. I think Cook is playing well, but not feeling like a breakout season. Are the numbers there for Cook? Averaging good yards per carry, but haven't seen a ton of huge explosive runs or catches with yards after catch. Davis had some great touches, but is still making the same errors as last year, just like he in particular needs to, has not shown up like we expected for a breakout season. Listen, I'll say this about Gabe Davis. When somebody tells you who they are, believe them. And I think that we're seeing uh, exactly who Gabe Davis is. Let's talk about this. Uh, so you said, I had high expectations for James Cook and Gabe Davis. Anytime anybody says that, I have great receipts that I can point to because I do a stat projection pod every single year that tells you exactly what I'm expecting from certain players. So for James Cook, I predicted that he would have uh, 831 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, 45 catches, 383 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. James Cook right now is on pace for 1,029 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, 40 catches, 397 yards, and no touchdowns. So he's exceeding my expectations right now as a runner. I predicted him for 831 yards. He's on pace for 1,029. Receiving, I projected 383. He's on pace for 397. So to me, James Cook is exceeding what I expected for him this year. For Gabe Davis, I predicted 61 catches for 915 yards and seven touchdowns. Gabe Davis is currently on pace for 85 receptions, 966 yards, and 11 touchdowns. So both of those players are exceeding my expectations. So uh, I don't know what to say here. I mean, they're productive players. Do they have their warts? Do they have things that I wish were different? Do I think James Cook needs to run with more consistent pad level and, and authority and, and really hit holes and not pitter-patter as much? Yeah, I do. Do I think Gabe Davis needs to be a better route winner that's less high variance? Yeah, I sure do. But 
the the numbers are coming in better than I anticipated uh, to this point. Aiden says, if Josh Allen wins a Super Bowl in your eyes, will he be the Bills' best quarterback in franchise history? I know Jim Kelly went to four straight Super Bowls, which is unheard of, but he lost all of them. Unfortunately, I wrestled with this internally for a while now, but I think I'm inclined to say, yes, Josh would be the best Bills quarterback in history if he brings us a Lombardi. Might be bold of me to say, but that's what I'm going with. What do you think? Yeah, it's tough to compare, right? Um, I think Josh Allen is more talented than Jim Kelly, and and Josh Allen has produced at levels um, that Josh that Jim Kelly never touched, right? He's a more dynamic player than Jim Kelly. Now, Jim Kelly deserves a lot of credit for um, modernizing NFL, right? I mean, calling the Kagan offense, um, you know, relying on a lot of different passing uh, structures than the rest of the league was doing at the time. I think he's very innovative in the story of football and, and that offense it certainly was. Uh, but Josh is a more dynamic, more physically gifted player. Um, if you want to measure it in terms of Lombardi's, okay, well, we can do that. But right now, Josh is already rewriting the record books. And so um, I think that you leave them in the time that they played, respect them for what they they gave you. I don't think it's important to decide which one was better. I, I just don't. Um, but uh, I don't know if you, if you made me pick prime Josh Allen versus prime Jim Kelly, I think I'm going to pick Josh Allen. Um, so there's that. Uh, Ryan says after a reflection, it seems to me like the bills are emotionally exhausted. Again, this team feels a lot like the one we saw end of last season. The injuries have been really gut wrenching and emotionally draining for me as a fan. I can't imagine what the players must be feeling. I say all this to provide some proper context and perspective. I think this offense and team we are watching will be a, a far cry from the one we get as the season continues. I'm glad this is happening now rather than in December and January. I wanted to see what you think. I think the, the thing that I really agree with, Ryan, and I, I don't agree with thinking the Bills are emotionally exhausted. I, I don't. I think that they're taking things in stride. I like the messaging from the locker room about injuries. They're moving on next man up. They're not feeling sorry for themselves. I, I don't feel that way. But I do think what's important about what you're saying that I want to align with here is that it's most important to be playing your best football later in the season. And the Bills are three, they're four and two, uh, some up and down performances. Still only weeks, we're going into week seven right now. And so you want to be playing your best football at the right time. And has that happened yet for the Bills? No. Kind of happy that it hasn't. I'm happy that there's things that this team can iron out and improve. Uh, the rest of the way so that they can hit their stride at the right time. So that's where I would really align with what you're saying there, Ryan. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Next, we will shift our our attention to the New England Patriots, the Bills' Week 7 opponents. So Mike debate tomorrow, crossover discussion, then our primer, then our Saturday final thoughts, injuries, predictions, all that stuff coming your way the rest of the week. So don't miss anything. Make sure that you're subscribed. We'd love it. If you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast, have a great rest of your day. Go Bills, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.